Sabela there by Spongi Kumal. Of course, it leads us into the final conversation uh, that we'll be having this morning. And it is with Dr. Judy Glamini, who is chairperson of the Gender-Based Violence um, Fund. This is the Response Fund. And we're going to be talking about just some of the challenges that we are facing as a country when it comes to addressing I think the structural problems that actually create and lead to the kind of violence that we're seeing in in our country. And, you know, the fund has had the opportunity of being in existence for a couple of years now. We'll find out just what are some of the lessons they've been able to learn and the issues they've been able to identify, because it's important that we not only know what the problems are, but understand what kind of resources need to be flowing into certain areas to to deal specifically um, with the problems that we are trying to change. Dr. Glamini, good morning. Welcome to The Talking Point. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Good morning to the listeners. Uh, thanks for having me. It, and uh, happy Women's Day to all the women uh, that are listening, but also to the men, because the march was for liberation of all, not just women. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and happy Women's Day to you too, Dr. Glamini. Um, I think firstly, I just want to begin getting your own reflections about where we are as a country when it comes to the different struggles that are being waged by women. And I think why it is that you believe we are not seeing the rate of success that we should, especially when we look at how often we have this conversation about what is wrong and what needs to change. Uh, Thanks very much, Kathy, for that. Uh, Where I'm sitting, um, we are unsafe as a starting point. Um, You are scared to walk down or jog down the street because you might be raped. Uh, So that's just a starting point of safety, you know, which I believe is a a very basic need for any human being. But for women and children, we do not have that in the country as we speak. And it's sad because it's been two generations uh, from the March of 1956 and a full generation from political independence, uh, but women are still not emancipated. Uh, why is that the case? Uh, I think we need to be deliberate about the challenges, uh, addressing the challenges and confronting uh, the stereotypes, uh, the cultural norms that do not serve society, because anything that doesn't serve women and children as equals doesn't serve society. So I think we need to confront those challenges uh, collectively and led by leaders across sectors. And I'm not seeing enough of that. When we look at where violence is taking place and, and how violence against women and young children takes place, um, statistics point to the fact that it's often in the homes, even though we know that, yes, women are not safe in both the private and in the public space. But it would point to primarily the what is, what is supposed to be a safe space for women within their homes that they are 
likely to come under threat and of course then in in the streets what is it about this violence and how it takes place again that we are not effectively responding to as a a society I think at the core of our challenges, uh, Kepi, is inequality. Inequality erodes social cohesion. That's just how it is. There is no peace when there is inequality across the different uh, social demographics in the country. The second thing is that apartheid was very violent. And we haven't addressed that violence as a nation. We actually have not made people who were perpetrators of that violence accountable. And when we looked at the policies, if you just take employment equity, uh, we didn't address gender equality using an intersectional lens. So while there might have been some improvements, which unfortunately have regressed now, it wasn't through an intersectional feminist lens that actually says those that are at the bottom of the pile who happen to be black women need that extra lift for us to have equity in society. So in a nutshell, we are a violent society. We've seen all the time, we talk about uh, young people that are raped, uh, young women that are killed and so forth. I think we need the men's voice when we talk about the gender perpetrated violence and killing. So as a fund, uh, we are a young fund. We've only been around for 18 months now. We were only launched last year in March. One of the initiatives and campaigns that we have for this month of August is called Flip the Switch. And why do we say that? We are saying instead of focusing on how many women have been raped, how many women have been killed, let's focus on men and say, what are you doing to confront the scourge against women? What is your role? And also, if we are going to be dishing out any statistics, it should be around men because women don't rape themselves. They don't kill themselves. And for us to have social cohesion as a people, we need men and women fighting for for equity uh, across the board. So my main message today is that men, young men, boys, let's unite to fight this scourge, not just gender-based violence and femicide, which is very important to fight, but gender equity in our lifetime. So I know the theme for this Women's Day and Women's Month is gender equality. And uh, we, we actually need to see that uh, in our lifetime. And it will take all of us to do that. 
I, I want to unpack this um, question of, of inequality a bit further because part of what we are experiencing in, in a country like South Africa is that, yes, you have a few women that have been able to you know, almost break barriers in as far as being able to get an education, uh, being able to get uh, what would be considered decent jobs with decent pay, etc. But the reality is the majority of women, and in particular black women, are still confined to a life of economic marginalization. And, and, and that includes even those that are within the workplace, right? Because then we will bring up a conversation such as equal pay, etc. But are we doing enough to address the economic status of, of women? Because part of this inequality really helps us understand the cycle of abuse that we see and why it is that we could well be unable to break the cycle, um, especially when we look at issues such as economic independence and what that means for a woman who is in an abusive relationship and some of the reasons why it is that such a woman um, is likely to stay in such a relationship. We are not doing enough, uh, Kathy, in my view. And this is why I'm saying this, because when you look at the women, like you say, that are most marginalized, who tend to be Black, uh, we're not solving for them as much as we should. One, two, we are not holding leaders across the spectrum accountable for gender equality. If you just look at the business sector and you look at the JC listed companies, it's been 5.8% going to 3% coming up to five for so many decades since independence. That is the percentage of CEOs that lead these JSC listed companies. And the list goes on. If you look at Africa as a continent, out of the 1,364 companies that are listed on 24 African stock exchanges, only 35 women CEOs are at the helm of those with the revenue above $100 million. I'm sharing this statistic, and it's not just in business. You go to academia, you go to any sector, you find that the people that lead in the majority are men and they are not opening the space up for women to lead. We have enough women to lead who have what it takes to lead and grow this economy, but we do not give them the space and the platform to lead. So the message really is to men who lead in all sectors for the sake of the growth of the economy, we need to give them the space and empower them to lead. I'll give you just another statistic that shows how important it is to have inclusive uh, leadership where diversity is not just in numbers, but it's also celebrated because the culture is inclusive. A study by McKinsey showed that if there is diversity in decision-making, 
you have 19% improvement in revenue from innovation from the companies that have above average leadership diversity. And when it comes to financial outperformance, it's 36% for the top quarter ethnically diverse companies, including gender. And the list goes on. So the point I'm making is that with diversity of gender and other social demographics, everyone benefits, not just women. So it is an imperative that the leaders are held accountable for the gender equity that we want to see in the, in the country and in the world. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Judy Gamini, the chairperson of the Gender-Based Violence and Femicide Response Fund in a moment. Of course, I'll also be opening the phone lines for your own contributions. Um, that will be uh, a little later on on 011-714-2006. On the WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the focus then on Women's Day. We're in conversation with Dr. Judy Glamini, the chairperson of the Gender-Based Violence and Femicide Response Fund. Dr. Glamini, I want to talk about um, the fund that you are managing and the approach that you have taken in terms of the kind of projects that you are actually supporting, firstly, let's just talk about how much you have received so far as a fund and what you've been able to disperse. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Cathy. Uh, as a fund, we've received a total of 163 million rand and about 30 uh, or so million rand of that is donations in kind. Uh, and by that, I mean pro bono services by different firms, uh, but also funds that are directed at uh, ensuring that there is working capital for the fund. So in the 18 months that we've been in existence, uh, we had to do an analysis of the National Strategic Plan uh, for Gender-Based Violence and Femicide, which guides uh, solutions uh, that uh, we bring to eradicate uh, the scourge. And uh, looking at the six pillars, it was clear that with the funds that we had available to us, we wouldn't be able to address all six of them. So it was important for us to say, where would we have the most impact? Where addressing an issue within a pillar will have an impact on other pillars and draw us closer to eradication of the scourge. So we chose pillar two and pillar three. Pillar two, which is prevention, uh, social cohesion, uh, pillar three, which is about social justice. So when we went out uh, to call for proposals, we were focusing on those two pillars. But the other thing that was important for us was that there is a challenge of mental health uh, that we don't talk about as much as we should. And with COVID, which is uh, has been with us for more than two years now, uh, there has been an exacerbation of mental health. So we were very keen that the companies, the CBOs and the NGOs that uh, applied for funding would also have an element of addressing uh, mental health. So we went out and uh, the result 
of that call for proposals was 110 uh, community-based organizations. Uh, now they are 108 because uh, two fell uh, through and four intermediaries. It was very important to us that, you know, when it comes to, earlier on I spoke about solving for the weakest and the most marginalized. You find that big NGOs have better access to funding. So it was important for us that we were quite deliberate when we we're looking uh, for CBOs that we find those that don't have as easily uh, available funding as uh, the big NGOs. We were deliberate about that. We were deliberate about making sure that we cover urban, rural, and uh, informal settlements. We were deliberate about ensuring that all different provinces uh, are covered. Now, someone can come and say, well, uh, then uh, looking at the funds that you have, you are spreading yourselves thin. Now, there was a reason behind that. Uh, if you look at the response fund, it's an interim measure before we have the National Council. So what's important for us is to build the networks uh, across the different CBOs that are marginalized, expose them uh, to funding, help them to build capacity. So that to us has been very important, but we went further than that. Uh, when you look at the SAPS statistics, uh, they talk about the 30 hotspots, uh, working with academics who were advising us without expecting anything in return, uh, we identified 45 hotspots and that informed our allocation of funds. So as a fund, uh, it's very important for us to collaborate, to network, and we are grateful uh, to the companies that have been uh, with us from inception. But uh, we are also uh, very um, grateful to the academic institutions uh, that have worked with us and continue to work with us. If you just look at the Flip the Switch campaign, we are talking to all 26 uh, universities and TVET colleges, which uh, are 50 uh, in number where we want to activate, actually in some of the universities, it has been activated already, but we are doing this to create awareness within the young men and women in our tertiary institutions and outside those, uh, because awareness and, uh, and engagement on the challenges we face as a country around this sketch is a way, a step towards building the social cohesion that will help us to achieve a peaceful society. Mm. D Dr. Kamini, when we look at the tough talk that there has been um, in response to the levels of violence that women of this country are subjected to, whether it's in the private space or whether it is in the public sector, there has been a lot of tough talk. And I'm looking at this 163 million rand that has been raised, and it's not really looking down on the amount, but there's a part of me that says, well, expectations were actually a bit higher. One would have thought that given what has been said, including by some corporates in the public, about how they want to contribute to the fight against gender-based violence, that the fund should 
have done a bit better and received a lot more funds than they have. Well, that's a true statement and observation, Kathy. When we started off, we were hoping for 1.5 billion rand. And uh, obviously, you can see that uh, 163 million is very different to 1.5 billion rand. Uh, having said that, because we are always talking to corporates, philanthropic organizations, individuals that have something uh, to spare in terms of cash or in kind, uh, we do hope uh, that we can galvanize more support in terms of funds, uh, understanding that there are challenges in the economy uh, with the lack of growth, uh, but also uh, a lot of money went uh, to address the scourge of uh, COVID. But having said that, it is my plea to society, to the corporates that we need your support because our multi-pronged approach works better with funds. You know, we need uh, financial resources for us to fight the sketch. Of course, a part of, of, of what it says is that we have lip service being paid to um, the problems that women of this country is facing. And, and it's quite devastating, you know, as, as I'm listening to you speak, talking about having to approach individuals, corporates, to, to give you what they can. It's almost like, you know, piecemeal, like just you, you're asking for the bare minimum and, and people can't even come to the table on that. And, and I think that's really telling of of part of why it is that we are not winning this fight because if we look at the facts in front of us there isn't that that commitment because as long as there are no resources that can flow to either organizations individuals that are doing work in communities that are responding directly to this violence then nothing will change and that is why nothing has been changing uh, very true, very accurate, uh, Kathy. Uh, if this is anything to go by, um, just look at leadership anywhere, any sector. Today, we talk about the first woman to be premier in KZN. We've always had capable women. Does it really have to take one generation before we have one? It's simple things like that, that People pay lip service to gender equality, but when it comes to practical experience, to practical action by our leaders, it's not quite the same, is it? Uh, it it's it's it, it really is an an incredible uh, problem and 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 such a big issue because again, if we think about what you had said, you were saying earlier about even just the JSE listed companies, how these are run by men. These are companies that, you know, have the kind of capital to be giving resources into a fund like the gender-based violence and femicide funds. But it shows exactly the extent to which they they couldn't be bothered. They simply do not care regardless of what it is that they say. Let me go to Promise Mtembu. Promise, good morning to you. Good morning, Kate, and good morning to your guests. Hi, Promise. Where are you calling us from? I'm calling you from Durban. Okay, thanks for the call. Go for it. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't want to say Happy, Mother, Happy Women's Day because 
you know, this is not supposed to be a special day. <laughs> <laughs> I can only say Aluta continua. Mm, absolutely. Yes, yeah, and, and thanks very much for, you know, inviting the CEO of the fund to the studio. Um, I'm calling um, and, and wanting to ask as to what is the best way uh, of reaching the fund and applying for funding in the fund? Um, you know, and I'm saying this because, I mean, we've tried um, many times uh, to apply for funding and we've even tried to reach the CEO directly. Uh, we work uh, with a group of HIV-positive women who are victims of forced sterilizations, um, 85 of them. 32 of them are now on psychiatric medication, apart from the counseling that they should receive. And the CEO will know that forced sterilization is one of the worst forms of violence against women. And the CGE and UN women have actually found that these women are victims of torture because forced sterilization is torture in international law. And we've really struggled to get funding for mental health. Sanat, the South African AIDS Council, you know, have you know, basically dismissed us. And we're going to the fund because the fund is specifically for victims uh, of violence. You know, and, and, and I mean, if the CEO can tell me what is it that we need to do, do so that these women are acknowledged as victims of violence and that they are supported. Mm. And and of course, mm. uh, Promise, we've spoken to you previously about the work that um, you, you have done in this space. But I think also adding to that, you've been an, an activist, you know, for different women's rights over a number of decades. I just wanted to add that to your resume. <laughs> I just I, I, I felt that I should I shouldn't let the opportunity pass me by. So you've really been doing a lot of this work for a significant part of your life. Dr. Damini. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Promise, uh, for that call. And indeed, Aluta Continua, uh, we are not emancipated yet. And thanks for the work that you do. Uh, forced sterilization, of course, is the worst uh, form uh, of uh, human violation. Um, I'm not the CEO, uh, Promise. I'm the chairman of the fund. Uh, having said that, though, uh, the GBVF Response Fund 1.org website is where you will get details of when there will be another call. There is no call out currently. And I must apologize, I promise, you are not the only one who's complaining of not receiving funds because as we said earlier on, when we were hoping for 1 point billion rent, we only received 163 million. And of that, it's only about less than 130 that is cash that we can dis- distribute. So you are not the only one. Unfortunately, I wish I could say we have funding for you. If you apply here, you'll find it. Sadly, mm. it's a no for now, but we will continue to try and raise more funds and try and bring more CBOs uh, to the fold because we really admire the work that you do and we hope that we will be in a position to assist with the work that you do. But sadly, I, I can't promise anything right now with the funds that we have. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I thought you were the CEO, but thank you very much for your honesty. Mm. Um, and the activist question would be, why do you not have money? Where, where, where are the billions that the president committed 
to this fund and, you know, to this strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is um, this uh- one? Yes, um, there is a talk, uh, the activists have been asking about the 21 billion rand that was spoken to, uh, that uh, had nothing to do with the fund. And uh, I actually, as a citizen, believe that all leaders have to be held accountable. And if there are questions, they have to answer those questions. And uh, yeah, I uh, I, I get you. Um, (laughs) But as the fund, uh, we'll do our best and we wish we could raise more funds. Uh, I find that sometimes uh, you need a, a strong hand to say a percentage of revenue uh, will go towards this, but it was our hope that we don't need to to go that route uh, before people do the right thing and support the fight against the sketch through money. Mm. All right. Okay. Promise? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, of course, Dr. Damini, they're being very diplomatic, but I think she's saying she too is waiting to see where that money that was promised, when exactly it's going to come. Dr. Damini, how, how much were you expecting from the state at all? Because I know that this is also a fund that was um, driven in the same way that COVID-19 was with generating whatever resources they could be from the private sector. But but how much were you expecting from the public sector, if any money at all? Um, the private sector is the funder mm-hmm. uh, of uh, this fund, the yes. private sector and philanthropists. Uh, the government has not funded uh, the response fund. Uh, when it came to COVID, government funded uh, the COVID uh, solidarity fund, but they haven't funded uh, this uh, response fund. Uh, but I want to be quite clear that the presidency has been very supportive of the fund. Uh, actually, if you look at the day that we were launched, more than 100 million rand was pledged, and over time we've been able to turn that into cash. And even as we speak today uh, in the presidency, Professor Olive Shisana uh, is our support. Uh, she helps uh, to guide us to potential funders. It just hasn't yielded the results that we are hoping for. So if you look at the description of the fund, it's private sector led. So we haven't received anything from government. All right. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Judy Laminia. Also uh, take your remaining calls in a moment. All right, we're getting ready, of course, to conclude the conversation we've been having with Dr. Judith Lamini, the chairperson of the Gender-Based Violence and Femicide uh, Response Fund. Let me go to Bloom. Sichiro, good morning. Hi, Sichiro. Oh, uh, good morning, Tessie, uh, and uh, 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 Dr. Lamini. Happy Wednesday. Time has uh, come for women of SA to form structures of uh, women in a correct society forever. Easy, women's uh, club. This club addresses uh, the challenge of the uh, women in business and deal with the, the aspect of the business from, from, a, uh, from a female perspective and a moral regeneration. Uh, community uh, comment uh, that if you, you educate uh, 
women you educate uh, a nation. Uh, they further uh, commended by uh, state that state that telling Siane Siane Sijuana Idom Mangwana Ochara Chipaka Fabuhali. In conclusion, Kathy, uh, bear uh, in mind that. They wanted that women are architects of society with the natural power that God has given. Our like our heroes, heroian William William Sharon McKelle. So, if today a woman use this power, so what's the uh, it would be a less uh, child going hungry to school and uh, go hungry to that, and a less uh, teenage pregnancy, a less transmission of HIV and AIDS. I'm trying to get to the crux of the point that you're raising. Please get yeah. to that part for me very quickly. Oh, 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 all right. So, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what I can say, Katie. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. Okay, Sichiro. Yeah. Let me go to Yanga in Cape Town. Yanga, good morning. Hi, hi, hi. Good morning, Katie. Yes. And, How are you, Yanga? I'm fine, Katie. Long yourself. time, long time. Yes, 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 I know. Katie, um, I just have um, a question to our good doctor then to say, um, out of the total budget, I think um, she said it is um, 800 million rand. What percentage really is the fund um, using, you know, for 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 administration, you know? Because um, so, my problem so, so with younger, this fund, so, yes. younger, just just hang on a bit. So she she said that they were expecting to have raised yes. 1.5 billion rand so far. Yes, yes. What yes. they've been able to raise is 163 million rand. And only yes, 130 million rand of that is actual cash. The rest of the 30 yeah. million is just f- services that people and companies have offered pro bono. Mm. Mm. No, okay, because uh, my problem is um, before we can even uh, ask for one um, 25 billion rand, you know, at least we should account with um, what have we done with, with, with um, this uh, 100 million rand, mm. you know. Um, are we, are we taking these programs where the programs are, you know, in the townships, in Nyanga, in the village, in Alexandra, you know? We, 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 we must be careful of Katie, that we don't use this fund to... to, to uh, administrators, you know? Mm. I, I don't know if you understand... Mm. Um, my no, I, I, I understand the question that you're raising, and, and I'll give Dr. Yes, Damini yes. an opportunity to to respond to it um, and, and Dr. Damini yeah Yanga's concern is really around the percentage of this money that is going towards administrating and 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 running the fund versus how much of it is ending up in 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 the hands of of organizations individuals that are uh, doing work in in communities uh, that's a very valid question. Uh, thanks for that question, Yanga. Um, if you go to our website, which is gbvfresponsefund1.org, 
you will find our integrated report, our first report for the first financial year that we have completed one. Two, uh, there is a benchmark on the admin percentage uh, from funds raised uh, for NGOs like ours, which is between 10 to 15%. So please feel free to go to the website read that integrated report. If you still have questions, uh, then um, you can also uh, post on the website uh, your question. To go back to Sichiro in Bloemfontein, indeed, uh, moral regeneration is key. And uh, we always talk about if you educate a woman, you educate a village, uh, but we don't then elevate those women to leadership positions to lead the way they lead families, because where they are good families, there is a strong woman who's leading. Imagine if we had the opportunity to do that across sectors. I do hope that, uh, Yanga, I have addressed your question, and uh, please feel free to go through that integrated report. Mm. It, it, it has all the information that you need. Dr. Gamini, as, as we round up the interview then, just a, a minute or so remaining before we, we have to say goodbye, what are you planning on doing to try and get better responses to the fund and the money that, that is needed? Because the reality is, you know, if in the next 12 months you still aren't able to increase um, the money that you have in your coffers significantly, the role and, and the function of, of, of this response fund will become redundant. It, it will be rendered useless. Uh, that's very true, um, uh, Kepi. Um, in the minutes that I have, uh, I just want to remind uh, the public that we are a stopgap before we have the National Council. Uh, which will be funded and led by government. But before that happens, we have an obligation to raise the funds and disperse the funds in a way to ensure that there is impact on the ground. And uh, it relies on each and everyone who's listening, but also the corporates that have the funds to assist and philanthropic organization as well. The two things that I would like to do as we end uh, this discussion, Kathy, is firstly to thank our forebears uh, because in spite of the challenges we face as women, uh, in the past, you wouldn't have even a CEO running this fund or a chairman for that matter. But because of their fights, because of their sacrifices, we have a fighting chance of changing this country of ours. And secondly, I plead with men and women that are tuned in right now, that it starts with each and every one of us to be deliberate about confronting those cultural norms that set us back, confronting the prejudice that we are born into. Unless we call each other out on the acts and omissions that ensure that women remain behind and as a result, society remains behind. Let's confront those acts and omissions and prejudices because unless we do that, nothing is going to change. All right. 
Dr. Judith Lamini will leave it there for this morning. It's also where I wrap it up for the talking point on this Women's Day. It's been a pleasure being in your company as always. Up next is the update at noon. The talking point will be back with you again tomorrow morning.